0: Can the Vikings make it five consecutive wins after starting one and four? It's the question on everybody's mind right now, and that all revolves around the development of Josh Dobbs in Kevin O'Connell's system. It's going to be a very interesting dichotomy here for the Minnesota Vikings because Josh Dobbs is a relatively unknown commodity. The Monday's game was a real anomaly. We're going to dive into all of that and the New Orleans Saints right here on a new episode of the Real Fauno Show.
1: by Tyler Thornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire, writer for the College Football Network, publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter, host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skulls. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen,
0: to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Fornes, and I know how to take a superior vehicle, whereas producer Dave, in the top right corner, still drives something you'll find on the side of the road. How are you, sir?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great, and you can take your peanut holler and shove it up your you-know-what. Hey, you I want to welcome everybody who's joined us so far tonight. We have Dan Anderson. Welcome, Jose, or Josue. Jose oh, Gonzalez, welcome, 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 and Bob Swede, and of course the good doctors joined us tonight. We appreciate it. Now yeah. we get to talk some football.
0: Yeah, it, when you have that U in between the S and the E in Jose, you get that nice little Sway, and it's oh. it, it, it's a fun name. I, I really like that name. But that is that is a whole another discussion. Welcome to the Real Forno show. We're not here to talk about uh names and how you pronounce them we're here to talk about football and it's going to be a really fun show here tonight because we're going to be talking about this really weird minnesota vikings team and i want to start off with this josh jobs played great considering the circumstances on sunday and it's it's okay that it was relative like street ball where you kind of have general concepts that you want to run. And like you tell your buddies, hey, do this, do that. But there's really no chemistry. There's no anticipation and there's no real development uh, with the offense until you get some more practice. And that's kind of the path that the Vikings are on right now. They made it work on the fly. It's like like when you're in a a restaurant and all of a sudden you run out of something, you just have to whip it up on the line and then get it out. It it was constructed chaos, and they managed it well, and it really speaks to the culture of what the Minnesota Vikings have with Kevin O'Connell and with this whole organization. Now comes the real football. How can they build off of this? Because you can't do Sunday's game again. And it's not to take away from how special and fun Sunday was because that was a great football game to watch. And there was an article released about an hour ago that Judd all wrote on the Vikings. where I highly recommend you go check it out and check out my episode of purple access with him tomorrow on the purple daily YouTube channel and podcast feed. But sometimes the anomaly just happens and it's great. It's fun, but then you have to, Oh, uh, my wife is just throwing shade. You know what? That old six Malibu, it still works somehow, but <laughs> Chevy truck period of Fords, and I will never let Dave forget that. Let's just put it that way. So you, you can't expect to win games constantly the way the Vikings won on Sunday. Leave it, leave it where it is. That was a fun game. Great result, incredible performance. But now you have to start looking at Josh Dobbs in this offense through the lens of how he would view Kirk Cousins. How are you executing the plays? How are you running and commanding the offense? And we're going to give more grace to Josh Jobs initially because he has now been in the, the building for eight days. But it's about the little things. It's about being able to call protections at the line of scrimmage. It's about being able to audible. It's about feeling comfortable with what you're seeing with these concepts and not having to think. Dobbs had to think on Sunday and he was still able to put together that kind of performance. That's great. But now you have to talk about how things are going to be looking moving forward. And that's kind of how we're going to approach this show. We're going to talk about what worked, what didn't, and why what didn't might work moving forward. Because there are all these little things that Dobbs just could not be expected to do on Sunday. He's a rocket scientist. That's one of the reasons why you were able to pull this off because he's incredibly intelligent. And with intelligence becomes able to, you can be process information quickly and you can do some of those things. An average intelligence quarterback. Cause let's just be honest here. Quarterbacks inherently are intelligent because of the nature of the position. But as far as looking through the lens of what a quarterback is, Josh Jobs is in the upper echelon, the top 1% of intelligent quarterbacks. I still think Peyton Manning's the smartest quarterback to ever play. You could see in how he approaches the game, you could see how he conducts himself on the line of scrimmage, how he attacks the game, and how he talks about it. Even with the Manning cast, you, you just get a real sense of how intelligent
1: Peyton Manning is. Plus, because and he's Doc, got an extra large brain. To fit in that extra large cranium of his.
0: It really looks like a circus peanut. It's kind of crazy.
1: But it, it <laughs> No, but he knew he knew he knew offenses and offensive football mm-hmm. like no other. He could if there's a PhD for offensive football, this dude had multiple. That's he would be smart. teaching all of those classes. Yeah, that's how smart so, Peyton Manning was.
0: Peyton Manning was so good, and I'm going to tell the story before we get back to Josh Jobs, that Ed Reed, the Hall of Fame safety for the Baltimore Ravens, would intentionally blow coverages in the games leading up to uh, when they will play the Colts. So then he could bait Peyton Manning into an interception because he knew he would see it and he would he would be able to uh, take advantage of it and Peyton like they talked years later, he's like, man, I still don't know how you got that He's like, "Oh yeah, I blew coverages so you would you would think I was doing something else so I could get you." And just all-time stuff between two of the all-time greats in the National Football League history. But Dobbs wasn't comfortable doing a lot of things on Sunday, and they made it work, and I think that's great. and it shows a testament of the communication ability with Kevin O'Connell and Josh Dobbs and how everybody understood the assignment. They understood what Dobbs was capable of and what he just didn't know. And they were able to elevate because essentially what happened was Josh Dobbs read the play call off. And then he would ask questions like, okay, w- what's going on. And Kevin O'Connell would say some things in the head said, okay, on the, like even said, like on the right, you're going to have a curl flat, which is something that you call him Madden all the time. And Dobbs on his podcast, the Torch Bears podcast with Trey Smith of the Chiefs even says like, it's like playing Madden. You get the general construct of what's going on and then you have to call some more basic concepts. They ran a lot of stick, which is basically a uh, guy runs five yards and either hitches or runs out. And then the far outside receiver runs a go as like a clear out. Uh, it's a very common, simple concept that people made fun of the chargers for running a lot with Justin Herbert because of his arm talent. And you have to run concepts like that when you have a guy who doesn't know the playbook because you're running concepts that you know, they're familiar with because stick is universal. Everybody runs stick. You know what stick is. You're going to call it something different when you are from team to team. But if I look at a quarterback and like go run stick, they're going to know what you're talking about. That's how they made things work. And the other reason why they made things work was because of Josh jobs dual threat ability. And because he wasn't trusting things and seeing things and anticipating down the field, like all that stuff is okay for this game because it was so different. It was a unique circumstance. And we have to take that into account. Now, as you're moving forward, you're going to start to expect him to anticipate throws. And seeing things better and being able to hit open receivers without having to think about it, because the play where he ended up scoring on a touchdown was a scramble. He had T.J. Hawkinson on what looked like a wheel route, but I've come to find out it was a a slot fade. But like if the if the cornerback has outside leverage, you would t- you take it straight up. Hawkinson was wide open. And he had him for an easy touchdown. Those are the throws that it's not fair to criticize him for making for not making on Sunday moving forward. That's what we're going to want to see. We're going to want to see him hitting those throws and nobody's ever going to say, Hey, it was bad for you to run for a touchdown. No, (laughs) make the game easier. on Make, Mm -hmm. make it easier. And to me, that's the difference in high level quarterback play. Anybody with the ability to scramble. Yeah, scramble. It's going to make plays. It's awesome. But if you have an easy touchdown, why are you going to give that up to do something more flashy? It's one of the criticisms I have of Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams just doesn't want to play safe. He doesn't want to take the easy stuff. Make the game easy. If you could do the hard stuff, that rocks. I love that you can do the hard stuff. I want to see you get the easy stuff. And that's what I want to see from Josh Dobbs week in and week out. If he ends up being the starter for the rest of the season, Throughout the course of the year, I want to see him taking more of the easy stuff, seeing things better, being more comfortable with what he's seeing on the field. That's going to be the real telltale sign of what this offense can be here moving forward because Dobbs can do X, Y, Z, and a little bit of Q, but if he's only trying to do Z and Q, but he's not doing X and Y, that's a problem long term. And that's why when you look at Sunday, you have to look at it from two perspectives. One, man, that was fun. Two, look, go to the drawing board and show him some of these things like, okay, this is the play that was called. This is what you saw. When you see this, you got to make sure you hit it. And it's a great teaching tool to help him learn the playbook better and to feel more comfortable with what he's seeing because now you have it on film and you have a play that he's already run before. And you can use that to your advantage to help him grow. And that's where the real intrigue with Josh Dobbs is. How quickly can this offense be absorbed relatively well? How is it going to be communicated by coach Kevin O'Connell? He's going to get time to practice. Like that's something he didn't even do last week. He didn't practice. The first snaps he took from Garrett Bradbury, which feels like a minuscule thing, but it's not in a football sense. The first snaps he took were on the sideline against the Falcons. Like the one fumble was a zone play where Garrett Bradbury had had to like snap and then immediately go right. Well, in going right, he ended up accidentally hitting the ball with his leg because Dobbs kind of took it at the wrong angle. And those little things matter. It's something Kirk Cousins wouldn't do because Kirk Cousins knows to pull the ball and go a certain way to accommodate the offensive lineman. And those little things will come with practice. They'll come with time. And that's why when you look at this game, and I'll kind of finish this overarching point, it's hard to really take anything from it than, hey, Josh Jobs was fun, he rules, and there's a lot of potential with him at quarterback to make this thing go. And I think that's really exciting.
1: Well, folks also think, or at least I do, if KOC is indeed the quarterback whisperer, Mm -hmm. We know he's generated the best play out of Kirk Cousins ever. And by far, when Kirk Cousins went down with a ruptured Achilles, he was playing the best ball he had played his entire life. Mm -hmm. Can KOC take Josh Dobbs, who's been a back, basically a backup. Yes, he's got starts, but basically a backup and turn him into a legitimate starter. Can he do that with Jaron Hall as well? We just don't know. I'm hoping the answer to that is yes, he can. And that would be very, very, very cool if he does do that. Um, I think this is, as I've explained on crossover shows that I've done this week that you guys will be able to hear probably starting tomorrow with a did one with the saints and we did the nfc north one earlier tonight i view this as we're playing with house money right everything that could go wrong so far has gone wrong we've had justin jefferson out kirk cousins is gone acres is gone christian derisaw is out with a groin injury and yet we still keep winning and it seems, you know, and at the very beginning, when we went one and four, we were close in all those games. And if it wasn't for fumbling and drop passes, we would have been a lot better off than we were now, than we are now. So is it, I'm hoping that KOC is that quarterback whisperer and he could take somebody like Josh Dobbs, who's showed some promise, has some talent, obviously can run. And turn that into a viable starting quarterback in this league. And if not, Josh Dobbs, Jaron Hall to do the same thing. And that we are good heading for the second half of the season and into the playoffs. Do you think KOC can do that? I
0: think you can take us to the playoffs, especially in this week NFC. But I want to like this wasn't a direction I was planning on going, but I'm really glad you brought this up, Dave. I think it's important to have this conversation. Should the Vikings not necessarily invest as much at quarterback if KOC is this good at extracting the best? And I think it's a twofold question. The I let's talk about Kyle Shanahan for a minute and use him as an example of this. The idea of his offense is you don't need a great quarterback; you need a guy who can stand back there and pinpoint and just stand and fire almost like you're at a trap shooting range. And I shoot up a couple clay pigeons and you just fire off your shotgun and you hit them. That's the idea here. Now it doesn't always work. You have to have the right guy because Nick Mullins was like four and 12 as a starter. When Jimmy Garoppolo was in, there's that weird stat where the Niners were like, 15 games above 500 with Jimmy G and 15 games under without him. Like it matters to an extent who your quarterback is. So I don't think it's plug anybody in and you're good, but I do think you don't have to necessarily have the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson's, like the elite echelon of quarterback. I don't think you need that with Kevin O'Connell. I think you can do that kind of stuff with a quarterback in Kirk's tier. But I I don't think that you also shouldn't try to get that guy. And I I think it's a very complicated scenario. If you, if he balls out so hard over the next nine games that Josh Dobbs earns the opportunity to be the starter next year. Yeah, you go for it, but you sign a contract like Geno Smith where you can get out after a year if it really doesn't work. And Then you'd be like, okay, we have to reevaluate the quarterback position because the guy we thought we had isn't quite the guy we thought he was. So then you move forward. And I think those little things will end up manifesting themselves however they may. I don't think you can just throw anybody in. But I do think it's not necessary to have the elite guy. That's kind of the roundabout point here. I'm very intrigued to see how they approach QB. And I'm really excited to see Jaron Hall get another opportunity. I really hope he does. If he doesn't, it means Josh Jobs rocks, and it's really hard to be truly mad about that. But to get two drives of Jaron Hall and then Kablowee for me.
1: It's for I you because you've got the heart throb and you've been pumping Jaron Hall for years. I understand well, it's that.
0: Not, it's not just a me thing, it's also he's your developmental guy, and you have a chance without forcing it. To give him real live starts and NFL caliber experience to see if you have something. So it, it's
1: yeah, it's a convoluted. If Hobbs turns into that or Dobbs turns into that, you've got something. Yeah. You got to stick with it and and keep Jaron and keep developing. So you have that good backup. Now, I, I still want to see Jaron play, without a doubt. Because I thought that, especially that second drive, he was doing great. And it's what I'm hoping is it's one of those happy problems, right? That you've got two Mm -hmm. quarterbacks that can do the job, and you're sitting there going, hmm, which one? Which one gives us that slight edge? And we're arguing about that.
0: That would be fun to argue about it's also an interesting thing because the whole concept of having multiple quarterbacks is if you have two, you have none. And I I think having a competition going in next year, would be great. Why would it be great? Because all of a sudden now you're talking about multiple guys who you believe can do the job, but you're trying to figure out who you want to be the guy. And that guy could still end up being Kirk cousins. We have to remember that it could still be Kirk. I think we, we've gone plenty of time kind of talking about the why behind Dobbs and stuff. I think we need to kind of move forward here. And uh, one thing I want to remind everybody, is, one, thank you very much for tuning in here live or on demand here today. And if you haven't, please like, subscribe, ring the bell. We are going to have a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. And it's a great way to support the show and get some of that content early is to subscribe to the YouTube channel with three separate tiers, and we're going to be delivering a lot of fun stuff, especially leading up to the NFL draft with guests, with prospect breakdowns, all kinds of fun stuff to pair along with what we do here every Monday and Wednesday night here on The Real Forno Show on Saturdays, soon to be Sundays, on Two Old Bloggers.
1: Yes, yeah, That's why ringing the bell is in the in the season.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. R- uh, Ring the bell is important because then you'll know when we go live and when we're ready to roll. Plus, the more likes and subscribes and comments we have, help support the channel. And those are all free things you can do. So please make sure you get a hold of that. And if you want to sponsor the show, hit us up. We are looking for sponsors. And And Bob
1: share with your friends and your enemies. It doesn't matter. Packers fans need somebody to root for this year. So share it with them. they They
0: need to watch a good quarterback like Josh Dobbs. Let's just be honest with ourselves, okay? Um, Let's talk about injuries for a minute, Dave, because it's going to play a big factor into today or on Sunday's game. And the injury report came out earlier today, and I'm pulling it up as you can kind of see my eyes dart all over the place because I'm looking here, my camera, monitor (laughs) here, monitor that I use for TV here, and big boy monitor that I use for all kinds of other stuff there. But the injury report, Pretty extensive for the Vikings. Multiple starters and pro bowlers on here. And these three, I don't expect to play on Sunday. They were all do not practice. So what happened here is they didn't end up practicing. They gave the guys a day off. They did a walkthrough. Okay? So these are estimations. Jaron Hall, KJ Osborne both have concussions. Did not practice. Dean Lowry with the groin. Did not practice. All these guys are limited. Brian Osamoa, Christian Darisaw. TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Johnny Munt, and then Jalen Naylor and Chris Reed, both in full. Right now, there's really not a whole lot you can read into this, other than Dariusa Jefferson, and Hawkinson all limited is kind of a scary thought. Questenberry played well, and I think that cannot be overstated. He looked real good on Sunday.
1: Especially in pass blocking.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Hawkinson had his ribs beat up. It sounds like from everything we're hearing from the team, he's going to play on Sunday. They're just going to keep it easy on him and not really ask him to do a whole lot because they don't need him to. And Jefferson is a day-to-day case. We'll see how they start ramping it up and how he feels, how everything goes. And if they like what they see, there's a chance he can play on Sunday. He probably won't. The one I'm really worried about. I'm worried about Derrissaw. Groin injuries are finicky. They're funky. And they can last for a long time. And. Man, it would really, really suck. If he didn't play an extended period of time. Yeah, Questenberry played well. This New Orleans Saints defensive front is a lot better than the Falcons. And you want to have your quasi Trent Williams ready to roll. So. Injury reports can be one to watch here throughout the rest of the week because it's frustrating. Like, but this is also the NFL. This is why you have guys and you get them ready to go. And so far for the Vikings, they played well, the backup it. <laughs> so
1: we'll kind of see how they JJ out. was out for hammy.
0: He is currently on injured reserve, but he, they activated the practice window. So either has to come off in three weeks or I believe he stays on there for the rest of the, rest the season. Of the season. Mm-hmm. They can take him off and then put him right back on for another four games. But that's just a convoluted mess. If, if you don't think he's going to be ready in three weeks, you don't take him off or you don't activate that practice window because you can do that whenever you want. And. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we're looking at here, and I'm really interested to kind of see how things manifest with the injuries and the Saints really don't have anybody. Um, The biggest names, Ryan Ramchek, he was, he sat out of practice just due to veteran rest. Demario Davis was a full participant with a knee. So, they're, in comparison, they're relatively healthy. That's not great. Yeah, But but
1: they're, okay.
0: Okay is honestly the best way to put it. Like, they're fine. They're fine.
1: They're five oh, and four. They lead the NFC South. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, sir. All right. Talk about the Saints. The Saints. They go marching in. Oh, when the Saints go marching in. Hopefully not.
1: But anyways.
0: They are five and four. They won their first two. They, and then they went lost four or five and then they won their last two. But the only two real serious teams they played so far this year. They lost to the Texans. Yes, the Texans are good now. And they lost to the Bears last week. Or Sorry, they lost to the Jaguars three weeks ago. They beat the Bears last week
1: and they barely came away with winning the Be- beating the Bears and it took five turnovers on their part. Three of them in the fourth quarter to beat the bears.
0: Not great. Not great. Yes, Ryan, the Saints game is at home. So it'll be at US Bank Stadium. A place the Vikings are 1 in 3 this year. They are Vikings are 4 and 1 on the road. Can you believe that, Dave? 4 and 1 on the road. That's pretty impressive for the purple and gold. They usually aren't very good at home or on the road, I mean. And it's. I'm very intrigued to see how this game plays out. Kind of taking a look at things and kind of taking a look, like the offense for the Saints is like kind like okay, they're not great. Um, I'm actually trying to find they are an average football team in scoring twenty one point seven points per game. Vikings were only twenty two point nine, so. This could easily be a defensive football game and the defense itself is a fascinating one because you have guys like Cam Jordan and Marshawn Lattimore and the big matchup I want to watch. How is Jordan Addison going to handle Marshawn Lattimore? A bona fide cornerback one. Lattimore can beat you up. He can get physical. He can get down and dirty and he's great at attacking the football. How is Jordan Addison going to handle that? To me, that's the biggest storyline here. I can't wait to see how Jordan Addison figures out how to play with a guy like Marshawn Lattimore because his development has been great and we've seen a lot of really good from him, Dave. He ain't perfect. When he gets beaten around a little bit, he gets, somebody gets physical with him, he can flop, he can flounder, and he can struggle. That I think he's always gonna struggle a little bit with real physicality. But with time in the NFL weight room, he'll get there and he'll get to a point where he'll be fine. And it's not gonna be a massive deterrent long term. He's just not there yet. He's a rookie. And it's gonna be a fun one. That's that's probably a match of up of the game. Is there anything you're really looking forward to before we dive into some of these uh, numbers, Dave?
1: Yes, Uh, especially since I mentioned that I did a crossover with the Dome Patrol, the New Orleans Saints, FFSN, Fans First Sports Network affiliate, and I had all four of their hosts talking to me. Derek Carr has a hard time with the Blitz, and their offensive line is bad. Guess what? He's going to see a lot of the blitz. So I would put the advantage to our defense in this game, and then hopefully our offense rolls with Josh Dobbs hitting receivers and seeing Addison against Lattimore is going to be a good test. That's going to be interesting. But it's going to to be fun to watch. They tend to run more of a high school style as the hosts of Don't patrol, you say, offense. We're going to see a lot of their, uh, oh, what's his name? The multi-purpose quarterback running back. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill do his thing, but he only usually, (laughs) they complain. He goes, the coach only puts in plays for him every other week, week. And he had his plays last week, so we're not to worry about it. Well, I'm going to worry about it. Let's see how that goes. But. It's going to be a fun game. I, If I remember yesterday, the over-under was 41, so they don't expect a lot of scoring. More of a defensive game. But it should be fun. And I think the Vikings have a real good chance to win and keep this house money rolling, as I put it.
0: The Saints are only allowing 19 points a game, and that is good enough to be seventh in the National Football League. That's That's not bad. Uh, and then you have, uh, their, like, their passing defense is eighth in the NFL. They can, they can do some things uh, in the passing game. And one of the reasons why they're so good in the passing game is that front led by Cameron Jordan. And it's, it's unfortunate that Kirk Cousins isn't playing for many reasons, but the, uh, the Cam Jordan game where, uh, Jordan talked massive crap about Cousins and Cousins went out and beat him, uh, is just one of the all timers for me. And, um, it's unfortunate now he's going to have to deal with Josh Dobbs. Is he going to want to double down and uh, see if he can get another win that way probably not buddy probably not <laughs> and i think the vikings offense against that defense can be a real test i'm also really intrigued to see kind of what you talk about eric Carr. Look, give me one second i got a <laughs> oh, um, Derek Carr. Pack up that long. Go ahead. He's fine-ish. He ain't great. He's fine. And car People think Derek Carr is what they act like. What like what they think of Kirk Cousins, like national media and stuff. With oh, he's he's average. He's he's a checkdown master. That's actually Derek Carr. Carr used to be a more of a gunslinger where he would just try and push the ball down the field cons- consistently. He doesn't really do that anymore. And he doesn't see the field while he panics in the pocket. And quite frankly, it's looking like a really bad move for the saints who have given him the contract that they did. What they have done is they've utilized the weapon that is Taysom Hill really effectively in the running game and the passing game, both as a receiver and a thrower, like Taysom Hill uh, isn't, isn't this all time passer, but he's a capable enough passer where if you want to do things with him, like, uh, have him take a few snaps under center and run goal line stuff like you can do that. And he's capable to do that. And I think that's objectively a good thing, but you don't want to rely on that. That's a gimmick. That's not a sustainable thing. And they're going to have to throw the ball against this Vikings defense because the one thing that the Vikings are really good at is stopping the run. The Vikings are great at stopping the run. Um, They are 14th in the league in total yards allowed at, um, just 923. I believe they are. I I don't have the exact measurements in front of me, but based on what I'm looking at, they look like the, like a top 10 uh, defense in uh, stopping the run.
1: That's pretty good. That's better than they started out. We remember Philadelphia running all up and down them.
0: Yeah. Um, The Eagles definitely, Definitely took that. Um, Pat, we're gonna have to write Patrick up for being late, Dave. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping you can handle that for me. Ah,
1: it's all right. Harmsey, <laughs> he probably had uh, to take care of something before he got here, but that's quite all right. Glad to see Harmsey and G Mac joining us. Absolutely,
0: and I think the interesting battle here is going to be how this Vikings defense handles Derek Carr. Are they just going to blitz him to oblivion? Are they going to really push the envelope with him and draw and just attack, 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 attack? Because if they do, that can open up stuff for guys like Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. And we remember what happened a couple years ago with Kamara, the six touchdowns on Christmas. It's a different Vikings team, so that's not going to happen again. But
1: this team developed a rivalry. The boys over at uh, Dome Patrol said Carr does not deal with blitzes at all.
0: Oh, no. He's he's never been able to deal with blitzes in his entire career. That's something he couldn't really do at Fresno State. Something he didn't do with the Raiders. And it's not something he's going to start doing now. So none of that is too surprising, Dave. And I'm very intrigued to see what happens, how like how that manifests is, does that mean that you're going to see Brian Flores send a lot of zero blitzes and Bengal Hawk and unique pressures to really get in and startle Derek Carr? Cause it's the key is startling Derek Carr and getting him to panic in the pocket is you let him just deal. He's pretty good. If you can get to him and the Vikings, Brian Flores is a psychopath. <laughs> and I mean that as a term of endearment. The Vikings have uh, on their um, they have sent six or more rushers 30% of the time. No other teams above 15%. And that's high. The Vikings uh, are just doing psychotic stuff. And speaking to people who have really studied under Flores or studied Flores and watched his defenses for a long time. He's going to have a real shit game. There's going to be a game where he just lays an absolute egg and and everything that he does gets countered. You could argue that the Eagles game was kind of like that, but I would argue against that for the fact that they told the Eagles, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to run right at our throats. You're not going to beat us with the passing game. You're not going to beat us with Jalen Hurts running around. They neutralized. There are a couple deep passes they got through. Outside of that, they neutralized the passing game, and they neutralized Jalen Hurts doing anything. And it took an incredible effort from DeAndre Swift, just basically running up the middle to beat the Vikings. Uh, Pair that with the Vikings' mistakes, but... That's what Brian Flores does. He's like, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to beat me doing this. And if you beat me doing that with a million paper cuts, I can live with it. I don't like it, but I can live with it. And I I wouldn't be shocked if like kind of what they did against Justin Herbert, because the idea of blitzing Herbert 80% of the time was we're going to make you make real fast decisions and throw to these guys immediately without being able to attack us down the field. And if you can do that throughout the entire game, you're going to win. But it's going to be really hard for you to do. And that's why the performance by Justin Herbert that day was so impressive, because he would, there were guys in his face constantly and attacking from all angles, all sizes. And he was still able to deliver the football with accuracy, with velocity, and complete passes to his receivers. And by doing so, they ended up winning the football game. Now, the Vikings did blow it at the end, and the defense held for the Chargers, so it's not all just a Justin Herbert win. But Herbert being able to do that when Brian Flores challenged him was the key. And I think, Dave, that we could see the same game plan. I don't trust you to handle the blitz consistently, so I'm going to blitz you to oblivion. You're never going to know how it's coming. You're never going to know how many are coming, and I'm going to destroy you.
1: And I'm going to line up at least eight people on the the line, and you Mm -hmm. don't know who's coming and who's dropping back. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And we've already seen guys like Josh Mantellis be able to start at the line of scrimmage and then make a play in a deep middle third. That interception against the Packers, where he intercepted like 40 yards down the field, started the play at the line of scrimmage. See, even Merlin's excited about it. He is. He started the play at the line of scrimmage. And when you have guys that can do that, it allows you to do all kinds of other things. And that's why Harrison Smith has always been such a lethal, lethal player. Because he can start deep and blitz. Or he can start at the line of scrimmage and drop. It, it opens up the possibilities. And why I, I never really thought the Vikings defense was all that bad last year, even though I knew they were bad by like every metric. Because Ed Donatel didn't put him in position to succeed. He didn't try to let them be them, their best selves. That's what Brian Flores is doing. They're their best selves, Dave, and it's working. And I want to see how they're going to act, act, actually dominate against the New Orleans Saints. I think this can be a really close game. I think it's going to be a fun game. And I also think that it could be a really frustrating one because the offense could really not show up.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, on the offensive side, Dave L says we need to get our running game back on track. KOC saying Chandler is going to get some chances. I hope that is the case. Dave, oh, really do. Too.
0: Wes Phillips said it yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. and KOC said it in his presser today as well.
0: So, oh, sweet. I'm going to have to go check that out. I haven't had a chance to listen or, uh, to his presser yet. And we'd all so, like to see
1: Naylor back in there. So it should be yeah, good. Yeah. So um, now, I'm not the, sure what the deal yeah, with Naylor is. Um, Well, he was on IR for, well, I don't remember what, for so long.
0: Before they activated his practice window three weeks ago, the only practice he was at was the first one.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, also the boys from uh, the Dome Patrol says, their defense does not do well with scrambling slash running quarterbacks they tend to turn their back on the quarterback and playing defense and that that could kill them come Sunday. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. I'm going
0: to remember that because that, that's going to be something to watch for, especially with Josh Dobbs. And with Dobbs, one thing that really intrigues me about what Kevin O'Connell will do is he going to start designing some RPOs, some options, uh, get, get, uh, Dobbs on the move both horizontally and vertically. How's that going to manifest? I think that's, that's a real fascinating element to this Vikings team. Because I wanted a dual threat guy who can push the ball down the field and run it since Culpepper left. And Culpepper leaving hurt me a little bit because he's one of my favorite players ever. And it's going to be a really interesting element to be able to have that again consistently, because Case Keenum could r- scramble, but he was he wasn't uh, really a running threat. Christian no, Ponder was good at ran for like pressure. Christian Ponder just ran for his pressure.
1: life. Uh, Far. <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting rushed. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, it, it's it's going to be um, interesting to kind of see how how things will manifest here. Um, that's pretty much most of what I have. So what I want to do to finish off here, there's a bunch of people with questions. I, I just want to answer any questions you guys have. And on the, like, w- what do you want to know about? I know, uh, Delton was saying, I need to do wide receiver rankings, deep class. Oh, don't you worry. There will be plenty of wide receiver talk because it's, it's a very interesting wide receiver room for the Vikings. They could spend a top 100 pick at wide receiver, and I wouldn't be shocked. Why? Imagine having a fourth wide receiver that is like a legit wide receiver too. Like a better version of Darnell Mooney. Like, that would make this offense incredibly lethal, especially if you feel comfortable quarterback. And that, to me, is really intriguing. I'm, I'm very, very excited to kind of see Um, how this draft class ends up looking because there is a lot of talent at premium positions, which kind of also stinks for the Vikings because they're looking really good at premium positions right now, but it's never a bad thing to be able to have a lot of talent at premium positions.
1: We're going to need D line and edge. If we don't take that quarterback in the future.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Delton also asked about the weakest link on the Saints defense. Look, it's going to sound weird, but I think you got to attack uh, a honey badger, Tyron Matthew. I think a guy like TJ Hawkinson can duke him out of his shoes and be able to really take advantage of him on like choice routes and stuff. Not just with the size, but also with the athletic um, ability. And I think that's that's an area where you can find some success. I think their corner room's pretty good. Paulson Debo was a third rounder last year, ended up playing pretty well in his um in his rookie season and had a couple interceptions against the Bears. But I think if you're going to do anything, it's going to be um you're going to want to take advantage of those safeties. Um What else do we have for questions, Dave?
1: Why does this team Parmsey? Why does this team keep bringing back scrubs like Tanner Morgan back? Does this front office think about what would happen with him or Mannion if they actually had to play?
0: My counter to that, Harms, is going to be, who else are you going to bring in? Like When you're bringing in that tier of quarterback, at a certain point, it just doesn't matter who it is. It's somebody that you, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And Morgan's already been in the building. He already understands a lot of the core concepts of the playbook. And I think that kind of stuff matters. So that's how I would view it where they're just bringing somebody in that already has been in the room that has already been in the building. And if they're if whoever that guy is, if he's ever playing, it's a disaster anyways. So I guess it doesn't matter. I also don't think Tanner Morgan's any good, but uh, I do know before his dad passed, I had a conversation with his dad about him. and oh, His dad was just the nicest guy. Um, so, like Tanner, I'm sure is the same, just a really nice guy, and he's probably a good mind to have in the room. I wonder if the Vikings view him as like a coach O'Connell, like somebody who's just got a great mind for it, but just couldn't do it on the field. And that could be something too. That's the only reason why Mannion has a job. The Vikings don't want to play Sean Mannion, but it's when you have your top three quarterbacks out and then you acquire a guy like Josh Dobbs, And then you have Sean Mannion and Tanner Morgan on the practice squad. That's kind of where you're sitting. Like if they signed Brucey, that would be that he, he might have a better uh, game than the Josh Freeman game. Let's just be real here. Um, All right. Do we want chase young? I did, but I only wanted him. If you were going to commit to him as a big part of the future if you wanted to sign him long-term, a TJ Hawkinson move, but you're going to have to sign him now. And that can be really difficult to do in season, especially when you're trying to make a playoff push. And I think they could still go for him in free agency if they really wanted him. But I think that might be a tough ask. So we'll kind of see if like, I wanted chase young, but there were, there were always caveats to actually going out and getting chase young. See, let's do one more, and then we'll wrap it up. I have some pork tenderloins waiting for me downstairs. Heh <laughs> um,
1: Delton, I know you're showing up the numbers. Like I said, I talked with the guys this week. Hopefully that show comes out tomorrow. They're not pleased with their defense. They Plus, they said they don't expect to get any sort of major pass rush from them. So... We'll see. I hope, you know, you got to remember who they've been playing as well. They've been playing a lot of the teams in their own division who aren't great. And we'll see. Come Sunday. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, Parmsey said, did sweat, Montez sweat ruin his career? <laughs> well, he's getting paid, Parmsey. Um,
0: well, I guess that's one way to look at it. Um, yeah, the guy got a big money contract, so it's really hard to be like mad at him, I guess. Uh, well, um, finding players that can actually play? Well, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. That's the problem. Um, Tommy DeVito is going to start for the New York Giants. He's going to be the 10th rookie quarterback to start a game this year, which will set an NFL record in Week 10. It will set nfl record not great it
1: it is it is what it is and they protect the quarterbacks with all the rule changes and yet we're going to be on our 10th rookie it's it happens it's it's Mm -hmm. one of those weird seasons it is for us too so Ride the house money, baby. Let's win some more games and let's run it into the playoffs. See if we can make this magical like 2017 was.
0: Yeah. Last question here. Um, Justin asked me what my thoughts on tomorrow night's game are. I'm going to be watching the season finale of Big Brother, and I think you should too, because it's going to be better than uh, Panthers and Bears. Um, I'm not watching that game. I'm just not. I'm going to see if uh, Jag, uh, Bowie Jane, or Matt is going to win Big Brother. And that's where my attention is going to be. And thank you guys very much for joining us. And we will be back on Saturday, 4 p.m. Central Time, with two old bloggers with Dave and his co host, Darren. We will also be live at the two minute warning of Sunday afternoons clash with the New Orleans Saints. And as always, you can find all kinds of great content, preview, and otherwise on VikingsWire.usatoday.com, where I am the managing editor. With that, Thank you very much for joining. Make sure you like, subscribe, ring the bell so you know when we are going live, including the multiple times this offseason. We're going to be going live at random times of the day because why the heck not? More content is always (laughs) better. I'm Tyler. He's Dave. Thank you very much for watching. And as always, Skull Vikings. Skull
1: Vikings. Like. Subscribe. And ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production part of the Fans First Sports Network.